This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus joins us. Campuses join us over in Stevens Point. I said last week Appleton was already meeting, but they're actually just doing some dry runs, (laughs) making sure everything works. There's a few people down there, but we haven't had an official opening yet. We'll let you know when that happens, but welcome to you guys as well. And let's all recite together, and all the people actually at home, a whole bunch there still, uh, and those who watch us online. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Again, so good to have you all with us this morning. And another shout out to all of our members still at home, writing out this COVID crazy situation. I'll talk more about that in just a minute. Um, Before we get into that, let's uh, pause for a moment to uh, take our morning offering. We still are not passing buckets around yet, but uh, encouraging people to give online. Many of you have already signed up for recurring giving, and we thank you for that. It really helps us for our budgeting and planning, and then you don't have to keep thinking about it. It's just, this is what I'll give every week or every month or however you want to do it. You can do that online, Uh, or if you're watching online on our website, celebrationchurch.tv. There's a button there you can click to give, or if you're sitting here, you haven't done either, or (laughs) or you're watching on Facebook or whatever, you can still give, and let me encourage you to do that. Get your cell phone out, and you can certainly do that here. Don't text your friends, but uh, you can send a text to this number, 77977. That's the number that you're going to text to, 77977, and then in the message part, you're going to point C, I put CCWI, and then the amount that you want to give. You hit send, and it, there's an initial setup the first time you do it, but then after that, it's just all automatic. That's all you have to do. CCWI, the amount, whether it's a dollar or $100,000, whatever it is, you type it in, and you send it, and then uh, it does the transaction that way. So, again, thank you for continuing to uh, support the church uh, as the church has stayed very solid through all of this turmoil uh, financially, and we are very grateful for that. Um, back, back to the COVID situation. Obviously, we're still in this. We don't know when it's going to end, if it's ever going to end. I don't know what in the world is going on. It is the strangest thing I've ever seen in my lifetime, which goes back a few years. And uh, it's really odd 
no one quite understands the whole deal. It's, a, it's an odd deal. I mean, the majority of people, even based on the science and the scientists who speak about it, say the people who get it, the majority of them will show no or little symptoms. That's, that's what we're dealing with. There are smaller percentage, very small percentage, that actually get sick, even, and that's more like, you know, like a bad cold for a week. A lot of people have had that. A lot of people think they've already had COVID. If I asked you to raise hands, I'd see all kinds of hands go up. Um, during that time, we don't know if you did or not. You didn't bother to get tested. Who knows? Uh, and then even a smaller percentage will actually get sick enough to go to the hospital. And then even a smaller percentage of that will actually get very complicated and die. It's a strange thing. We, you know, we all have cold-like symptoms. It just, just generally doesn't kill people. Uh, this one does in the rarest of circumstances, but still enough that people, and we're still figuring it out. So, uh, and, and it's just weird. You know, I, I have a, a wonderful friend who uh, sits on the front row here usually with me, uh, and uh, uh, she had to take a test for work, and it came back negative, and then was told she has to quarantine for 10 days. Why? It might be a false negative. Well, just quarantine for 14 days, and who cares, right? Just send all your, all your employees home for 14 days. If you haven't got it, come back. So take it, it's negative, and then you still got to stay home anyway. So odd, I have no idea. We all hear weird things. Our dear friend, Dr. Tim Kimmel, was telling us uh, of a friend. Her daughters went in to get tested. Uh, two teenagers for whatever, I don't know what he, they never said, he never told us what the reason was, but they had to get tested, and... Uh, uh, being teenagers, they're very impatient, and it was taking forever, and they said, oh, let's get out of here. They come back some other time where it's not such a long line. Uh, so they went home. Uh, two days later, they were informed that they both came back positive. <laughs> Keep in mind, they never took the test. They just went to take the test and got bored and left, and find out later, they both came back positive. So yeah, what, what does that say? I know people say trust the science and stuff, and we need to pay attention to these things. They're very smart people, but stuff like this really shakes one's confidence in the system. Uh, so it's all jacked up, and it is what it is. Uh, you're, you've got really two alternatives. One is to be careful, and the other is to lock yourself in your basement and never come outside and slowly starve to death. I mean, I don't know whatever it is. You know, say, well, I got to come up for those essential things. Well, you can get it then. And say, well, I got a mask on. <laughs> Lots of luck with that, all right? I say, well, it, 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 the people think it'll help. Okay, but uh, others say it has little to no bearing whatsoever. Isn't it interesting that in the last month or two, Wisconsin has been slapped with mask mandates, and since then, the COVID cases have spiked out of control in Wisconsin. Now, if that was a helpful move, should we have not seen the opposite? Well, still some people... Like, aren't wearing masks. Yeah, I don't think those few stubborn people like myself uh, are infecting everybody. So I don't know. Look, it is what it is. But let me encourage you. If you're sick and you're showing symptoms of anything, because flu can also, it's not as deadly as COVID, but it can still kill people. Or it can just make everybody sick. If you're sick, stay home. Please stay home. If you've got a really bad cold, Stay home. Don't be in here blithering and snotting. You know, it's not COVID. I don't care. Get away from me. All right? So, because none of us want to be sick. 
So that's easy enough to say. And we're going to hear cases of people on occasion that are going to be tested. Uh, someone last week was tested and turned out that they were positive. How sick they were, I don't know. But uh, they were here. And then we contacted the people that were around them and stuff. So, you know, I'm sure they didn't get it here. But, you know, you're out there in the world and working and got to get groceries or gas or whatever else like that. But let me just encourage you, if you get it, or, or no, forget it, if you, definitely if you get it. If you're sick, stay home. Don't come here. We love you, but stay home. Look, we spent all this money having all this advanced equipment that we can stream to the world. And we did this 15 years ago. We knew COVID was coming. <laughs> you got to admit, it was pretty cool. You know, all the other churches in the world were panicking and running around trying to set them. We just did our next service like we always do because we've been doing this for a long time. So we have all these things. If you're at home, you want to stay home, whatever, you can still uh, worship along with us. Uh, and then, I, you know, again, I don't know when all this will be over, but hang in there with us. And if you hear someone had it, don't panic and freak. Uh, and, but be smart. You, know, you saw Deanna and I were self-quarantining away from all of you. Don't touch us because uh, her father was very sick and was going in for surgery and stuff. You know, just, just, just be smart. Don't, don't be stupid. All that to say, let's move on to our sermon. This morning, we're picking up in Exodus again, as we did last week. This time, we are in Exodus, the 17th chapter. Last week, we talked about how the children of Israel had come out of Egypt. God miraculously delivered them, and they got out there, and everybody was hungry. Nobody made a sandwich. Nobody planned for any food. They freaked. They're crying out to God, and then God starts sending a man and starts taking care of them. And... Uh, we pointed out, isn't it kind of odd? Surely God knew they were going to get hungry. All right. Well, now today we're going to see a second situation where there's no water. And that's even more critical than food. You can actually go a really long time without food. Now, I get the shakes if I go more than an hour and a half. But most people can go for days, weeks. Multiple weeks, actually, without any food. It's certainly not a pleasant situation. Water, no, 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 no. You can't go very long at all without water. So let's take a look at this. Exodus 17, starting at verse 1. From the wilderness of sin. Now, this is not sin as in sinfulness. This is just that area that was called a pagan area that was the sin was the name of a, the moon god. And they had another part called Zin, Zin and Sin. Ben, Lynn, I mean, I don't know. There could be all kinds of places out there. That's all it is. It's just the name of the place. So the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages the Lord, as the Lord commanded them. Now, you have to remember, they are following this gigantic cloud. It's just this huge cloud during the day. And at night, it lit up. And it turned into a big pillar of fire. This is cool. So they're following this. This is how they knew. They didn't have to pray and ask for God's will. It was right there in front of their face. All right? So they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they go to this really arid place. There's no water anywhere, but God leads them right into this place of absolutely no water. Well, then the people start getting mad. Why? There's no water. They quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said, well, what are you yelling at me for? Why do you test the Lord? He brought us here. You know, what are you yelling at me for? Uh, but the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out to Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? 
Now, they are not asking this calmly or quietly or in a gentle spirit. They're mad as hornets. They are yelling at Moses. And uh, next verse, so Moses cried out to the Lord, what do I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. This is how you know they're really mad. <laughs> they're ready to kill him. They are out of control. And uh, so the Lord said, well, go ahead of the people. Take some of the elders of Israel with you and take in your hand the staff that I told you to strike the, the Nile with and go. And I'll be standing there in front of you on the rock of Horeb. Hit the rock and water will come out of it. All right, so the people can drink. So Moses did so in the sight of Israel. And this is what he does. He gets up there and he hits this rock. I don't know if by rock they mean just the side of the mountain or it was a big rock or whatever. Water comes busting out. Uh, I don't know that it came out. I would imagine there was water underneath if it was a rock and water started flying out. Uh, I don't know. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> anyway, all this water comes out. Uh, and then, I mean, that's a pretty impressive thing. I don't care who you are. You know, you walk up and you hit a stream comes flying out and all this water and fills that area and you can drink and all your livestock. That's impressive. If I am Moses, I'm calling this place this is the water that the rock that gave us water place. All right? That's what I'm saying. This is this is this is cool. You know, it's, it's we I, me, I'd I'd open Wisconsin Dells right there, you know, and uh, put in water slides and all kinds of cool stuff. So anyway, Moses calls the place Massa or Meribah, which is not a positive thing because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord saying is the Lord among us or not? So he actually names it this negative connotation. This is where all these people were whining and complaining, wanting to kill me, spot. All right? Now, you have to understand, as I pointed out last week, because we always focus on the fact that these people were whining and complaining. But then you stop and think about what they were whining and complaining about. I think we all would have whined and complained. These are legitimate needs. They were hungry. They had to eat. Obviously, it could have gone a lot longer, but they had to eat. And water, now water's a big deal. They had to get some water. And God led them to this place. He knew they needed water. These are not some deep spiritual needs. These are not some high intellectual, emotional needs. These are literal, basic human needs. Now, our problem is we get upset, just like they did, when our immediate needs are not met as fast as we think they should be. All right? We all experience this, right? You pull up the drive window at fast food, and what is taking them so long? And we get frustrated, and things don't happen as quickly as they want. And, Mom, I'm hungry. <laughs> Make me a sandwich. You know, we want stuff right away. If people just don't stop and get on it, we tend to get upset. And this is true in our lives, uh, and it gets us in trouble. What really gets us in trouble is our inappropriate responses to our most basic needs. And we have to remember, all of these needs are legitimate. A lot of the needs that you have in your life, the stuff that you're struggling with at home, and, and you wonder, where's God at? Which is basically what they're saying. He, he named it this place. Is the Lord among us or not? And where's God? Where's God? There's no water here. Where's God? That's what he names the place. And we all can feel this way, but you just, we just need to be a little bit patient, more patient, uh, and what happens is we step in and we try and do things under our own power or in an inappropriate way. Uh, 
to meet what is a legit thing. In fact, it's so legit, we think the inappropriateness of it, it justifies the inappropriateness of it. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, um, it's so strong. I, didn't, I did it, but I should have done it this way, but it doesn't matter because I, I really had to have this. And that's what gets us in trouble. Um, I need something, so I'm going to steal it. Well, if the need's really great, and most of our basic needs are met, so it's, it's hard to understand stealing and stuff. I mean, there's really not <laughs> too much of a legitimate need for that. But if you're uh, really hungry, really hungry, you have literally nothing to eat. There's no social safety. There's nothing. There's no food banks. There's no nothing. And you're going to be tempted to steal some bread, you know, or a candy bar or something out of place because you're really, really hungry. Uh, and most people, when they do that, they feel justified into it because their need is so great. But that's the wrong way to do it. Are you following me? Okay. Now, there's people who steal for all kinds of bizarre reasons. I, they don't need anything. I mean, you, you see, sometimes they have these stories of these Hollywood multimillionaires. They get busted going to Target and shoplifting. You could buy the store. What is your problem? But people are crazy, you know, anyway. Um, uh, I, I want to be loved and feel loved, so I'll go ahead and have sex outside of marriage. Uh, I, I'm lonely. My husband is around, so I'm, so I'm going to have an affair. Uh, I'm, I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I'm, I'm just going to curse and use God's name in vain. Which I always thought is rather odd. What is accomplished there? Using God's name in vain fixes what exactly? At least these other things are doing something. You know what I'm saying? The cursing thing I don't quite get. Anyway, that's what people do. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm just, so I'm just going to, I'm going to fill my mind with worry and fear. And while well, worry and fear is you're constantly rehearsing how awful something's going to be. It'll literally make you sick. It'll physically make you, if you sit there and just keep, and that's what people do. They roll, some of you are, are having a hard time and something's going to happen to your granny or something. You roll it around and around in your mind and we all, we're all movie producers, right? We produce these movies and we watch these movies in our head over and over and over again and, and then, oh, 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 it's going to be worse and we redo the movie so it's even worse and more tragic and we see it again and your stomach gets upset and your nerves are getting right. You'll physically get physically sick from doing this. You shouldn't do that. But, but I don't know what's going to happen. Okay, but let's not get filled with worry. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't feel very good. So, so we turn to drugs or to alcohol. Give me a buzz. I need a little lift. And, and so this is the stuff that gets us in trouble, is that we start using inappropriate means to fix what is a legitimate need. And it's so legitimate, we think this stuff justifies it. Are you following me? All right, so the people who are doing this, if you're just doing any of these things casually, like a multimillionaire who steals from Target, we think you're an idiot. But most people who are doing this stuff, they really are responding to a legitimate need, and, but they're doing things in an illegitimate way. Um, we're trying to meet this need. Um, let's look at what, how Jesus handled things. This is in Philippians, the second chapter. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippian church, starting at verse 6. He's writing about Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Therefore, 
God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. Great little uh, portion of scripture here talking about what Jesus did as he came to the earth. But I want you to back up again and take a look at this with me. Verse 6. Though he was in the form of God, he did not require, regard equality with God as something to be exploited or to take advantage of. When he was here, he wasn't using his God power as a shortcut to meet his needs. Now, he used his power uh, to demonstrate the power of God and the love of God when he calmed the scene. But he wasn't afraid. Remember one time he's, there, he's sleeping in the boat and, and the waves are crashing and stuff. And these men, these are grown men who have spent their entire life on the water. They're not a weekend boater like me. <laughs> these guys, have, they, they've been through everything. They are terrified. This was no small storm. And Jesus is sleeping. And they finally wake up and says, don't you care, right? How often do we think that? God, don't you care? He says, oh, you guys. And everything stopped. <laughs> now, he wasn't exploiting this. He was trying to show them that God cared about them. He could take care of any circumstance. If Jesus is in the airplane, I don't get nervous. I don't care how turbulent it gets. If I look over and he's right there sleeping, I'm good. All right? There's a... In fact, there's people who uh, think this way if they see a priest with a collar. You know what I'm saying? Say, I'm good. Or you tell someone, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Oh, good. I can relax on this flight. You know, there's just pretty, I hear something. It's very funny. And I figure, well, you know, there's a holy person. I'm good. All right. If, if Jesus is on the plane, I don't care what storm I'm flying to. I'm not going to get nervous. All right. Now, if he's not on the plane and it's just me and the pilot up in the front is looking through the manual about what to do next. I'm going to get a little nervous. All right. So anyway, he didn't use his God power to exploit his human needs. In other words, when he was hungry, he had the power to turn a rock into a double cheeseburger and fries. Me? That's exactly what I'm doing. You know, nobody's looking. Oh, man. You know. He didn't do that. He could have. He didn't exploit this far. He went through the same stuff we go through. The same challenges. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, just like all of us. But he didn't take the inappropriate route to it. Uh, so we know that it can be done. Jesus showed us that it can be done. Well, he was God. Yeah, but he didn't use his God power to do that. He literally at times was hungry. He literally at times was thirsty. And he had to deal with it accordingly. So when we trust God to meet our needs, the end result is a positive one. Instead of just, uh, and if we try to do it in the wrong way, it is a negative one that destroys so many people's lives. Now when I say trust God to meet your needs, I don't mean don't do anything and just expect God to show up. It means following God's plan for those needs. Pastor, I got needs. You know, older people, you know, they've been around for a while. They don't have a husband or wife. They go, I got sexual needs. Well, get married. That's the Bible's answer to that. I got financial needs. Well, get a job. There's a shocker. Okay, for some people, you know, I don't want to work. Well, none of us want to work. But you got to work, right? You got to get a job. Uh, um, stop spending more money than you take in, Right? 
If you make X and you spend XX, you're going to be in trouble. This is the Bible's plan on fixing it. And learn to be generous with your money, which is very counterintuitive, right? One of the hardest things about giving in an offering is, I like my money. I do. I'm not in love with my money, but I really enjoy it. I do. I like it. So when you give money, it stings a little bit, right? I can really use that money. And even if it's not used, I can just really like it. I can get something bigger. So we need to learn to give. And as we give, God will be more generous back to us. That's all part of the financial plan. There are legitimate needs. This is how you take care of it. Uh, if you're running around bitter and angry all the time, instead of cursing and screaming and using God's name in vain, which doesn't do anything anyway, learn to be generous to people. Learn to forgive people. You got to let stuff go. And we all have people that... <laughs> They're so irritating. <laughs> Hopefully you're not married to one, but you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's just, because then you can't escape. But then we all have people. And that's what we do. We try to remove ourselves from people that irritate us. And I get it. I would do the same. If you're constantly obnoxious to me, I'm going to avoid you as much as possible. Uh, but even then, I'm going to have to learn to forgive you. And if you're in a situation where you're with people that you can't just run away from, you need to learn to forgive them. Be gracious to them. Be gracious what do we just pray? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others who trespass against us. This is the rule. This is how it all works. Uh, if you're feeling down and not very happy, instead of just popping pills or something like that, uh, <laughs> downing a couple of bottles of vodka, man, learn to experience the joy of the Lord. Reflect on what God has done in your life. Let the Holy Spirit do. So there's all kinds of ways to meet the basic needs. When we do it God's way, it brings blessing and life and health and success. When we try and do it in a negative way, it brings death and all kinds of versions of it. Doesn't mean you're going to fall over dead right away, but it'll bring all kinds of versions of it. Um, so, Pastor, you know, I, I, I know you're saying, but I keep struggling and making mistakes. Okay, that's fine. Remember, it's the end result that God is looking for. Last week, we talked about tests, right? God tests us. And we always look at tests in terms of pass or fail. If I pass the test, I'm good. If I fail the test, I'm bad. Uh, and most of us, most of the people I talk to, and even in my life, if you ask me about the tests that I've been through, I would pretty much tell you I, I failed. I, I feel like I failed. I didn't handle it as good as I should have, made missteps, all kinds of stuff. I mentioned uh, Debbie dying uh, last week. And people say, well, that was a test. I was talking to a, a friend of mine yesterday. Man, you... You really handle that really well. And I was, no, no, I don't think I handle this. Because I don't tell you everything I think and feel, right? Um, I want you to like me. So, <laughs> so, so um, you know, I, I feel like I fail. But, and then you get discouraged and you get depressed. And, and then, but when you start to think of it, no, not in terms of pass or fail, but in terms of shaping. If you were to ask me, Pastor, did you pass that test? I would say, oh, if you're looking at it that way, I, I think I failed. If you say, did that shape you into a different person? I would say, yes, it did. All of the tests and stuff that we go through is God shaping us. He's looking at the end result. He's not nitpicking all the little struggles that you have along the way. This is of great encouragement to me when this thought came across to me. I thought, man, what a nicer way of thinking about things in life. And the same way with this is you're learning to trust God. None of us get this right all the time. Some of us never get it right. You know, but we need to learn. And instead of getting discouraged about, you know, gee, I, I, I didn't do it just quite right. Stop and think that God, what God is looking for is the end result. 
Here's a, here's a great parable, and, and we'll wrap up with this. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, these religious nitwits, and he says, what do you think? A man has two sons. He goes to the first son and said, son, I want you to go out and work today in the vineyard. And he answered, no. No, I'm not going to do it. I hate your stupid vineyard. I don't like anything else. Get all sweaty and all sticky and all that stuff. I, you know, I got stuff I want to do. I got friends I can go hang out with. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. Right. This kid has a bad attitude. Anybody experience someone with a bad attitude? Anybody have teenagers ever at any time in your life? Yes, there we go. That's an example of bad attitude. All right. But later, Jesus said, he changed his mind and he went. The father was with the second son and said, son, go work in my vineyard. Get out there. And he says, yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. I love your vineyard. I sneak a few grapes along the way, but man, it's awesome. It's great. I had nothing else to do today. And that gives me some focus. Gives me a reason. Right, thank you. Thank you for this. I'm going to go. I'm going to go do it. But Jesus says he did not go. And Jesus asked them, which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. Stop and think about this. We often get totally caught up in our initial attitude and how we feel and struggle with things. And this is true. I mentioned teenagers. You know, let me encourage some of your, your parents. Uh, if you're going to try and straighten out the attitude of your teenagers, or sometimes even younger, you will go insane. Okay? Just relax. I don't like their attitude. Get in line. All right? Quit focusing on their attitude. And just focus on whether they do it or not. Somebody say amen. All right. I don't want to. I know. Go to, oh, I hate you. I hate everybody because I wanted to watch TV. I understand. I'll go do it. All right. You make them do it. But we make it all about the attitude. Right? Do we not? Why? Because they drive us crazy. Amen. Now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but praise the Lord. It's a good thing. They're turning it. Look, the reason for this is they're turning into young men and women, independent young men and women. And there's this transition phase that they go through. When they're little, they actually like you all the time. And it's so nice. And then they learn the word no. And, and, and you want to strangle them then, but they're too little. You can't do that. That's inappropriate. And, and, but they still kind of like you and they run up to you and mommy, you're so pretty. I love you, mommy. They're hugging you and they're so, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, then eleven, twelve, and then they turn into demons, right? So then something they they're not so nice anymore. Uh, some of them are, God bless you, if you're so not encouraging you to be this way. I'm just saying it's why? Because there's something in them telling them to pull away from you. Some of you don't like it, but it's the reality of it. But as you're trying to train them. The Bible says, train them in the way they should go. Don't get caught up in the trap of the attitude and try to adjust attitudes. What you want to teach them is to do the right thing. Right. Easier said than done, I get it. But that's, because, and the same thing is with God, because we use that towards ourselves and we get discouraged. 
God is dealing with us and we're, we're trying to learn things and stuff and I hate this and I'm struggling. And, and, you know, and the devil comes along and tempts you to do something wrong and you do something wrong then he yells at you for doing something wrong. You told me to do wrong. Shut up. It should be that way. And, and, and we get discouraged and stuff. You know, but all that really matters at the end. This is hard for us. I mean, if a lot of us were telling this story, we'd have gotten mad at the first son. How dare you talk to me this way? It's his father telling him. He says, no. I added the rest. But no, it's disrespectful. But he finally went and he did it. Jesus said, who did the right thing? He was the one who said no. The one who had the great attitude and didn't do it, who did the wrong thing. What is he trying to say? At the end, it just matters what you wind up doing. He's trying to build character into us. So you say, Pastor, I'm trying to learn to, to deal with my needs and trust God with my needs and do things the right way, but I struggle and stumble. That's okay. As long as you keep learning, let's, let's get it right next time. Let's, let's do it right. And even if you stumble along the way, at least you're getting there. Okay? Everybody okay? <laughs> Some of you look at me like a dog at a new dish. All right, I'm, I'm done. Uh, the musicians can come up and get ready to uh, uh, lead us into our time of communion and stuff. And that's what we're going to do now. And, and the great thing about communion, and especially as we understand, we emphasize this thing about forgiveness. Uh, the Bible tells us before we take communion, we should examine ourselves and see where we're at. And some of us, we just, we weren't perfect last week. What a shock, you know. And here's the time to set things right. But again, don't get caught up in this. Even if we get forgiveness, we still feel guilty because we didn't quite do it right. That's what I'm trying to deal with. Quit letting guilt ride all over you because you don't always get this right. Or you have a lousy attitude about what God's trying to teach you. That's okay. As long as you eventually get the lesson. That's all he wants from you. Your struggles along the way is not his main focus. How are you dealing with things? He wants you to get there and start doing things right. So before we take communion... Uh, we ask, we check ourselves and ask God to forgive us. And before I release over to uh, the campuses for their own communion time, I, I want us to all pray together. And I'm going to pray a, a general prayer of forgiveness for all of us. So let's bow our heads and kind of reflect on our own hearts. As, uh, uh, and, and as I do this, if you can think of something or, or something comes to your mind that last week, oh, I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have done that. Whatever it is, even if it's really, really bad, ask God now to forgive you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in any way, thought, word, or deed, or sinned against others, for what we've done or something that we should have done that we didn't do, if we haven't loved you with our whole hearts, if we haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves, we ask you right now, Lord, for the sake of your son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us and forgive us of all our sins and strengthen us in all goodness and help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to walk in the right way as, as we're learning, Lord. Help us to get there to where we're learning to do things right. And thank you for the forgiveness that cleanses us as we struggle along the way. And as our heads are still bowed, maybe you're a first-time visitor at one of our campuses. You're watching us online. You don't even know how you found us, but you found us. And you're thinking, you know, I've never really done anything like this. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, why don't you right now, in your own words, ask him to come into your life. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your heart 
And you can start taking your first steps of faith. You can start experiencing the kind of joy and the freedom and the excitement that we're talking about this morning as you start to walk with Jesus in your life. Amen.